0: The Boilermakers move to 3-0 on the season after an impressive Monday night victory over Xavier and the football team wins ahead of its trip to Northwestern. Let's hit both on Gold and Black Radio. Kyle Charters here with Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart. Brian next, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWdesignBuild.com.
1: Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern Oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the Ordinary at the Whitaker Inn.
0: The Boilermakers get a victory against Xavier on Monday night in the last Gavit Games. Uh, Brian here to talk a little bit of hoops. Brian, who you nearly nailed the score. How'd you do it?
2: Um, I just picked two numbers and I decided uh-huh. how much bigger one should be than the other. And uh, sometimes I get lucky.
0: Yeah. That's a good, it's a, it's an excellent strategy that worked out for you in this instance. Yeah, no, uh-huh. I,
2: what I do is I just decide, Hey, I think this team's going to beat this team by X number of points. And then I, I make sure both numbers I think make sense for the teams <laughs> yeah. I'm assigning them to and uh i just kind of leave it at that but it's not like i've got some algorithm i've got some some war room in my basement where i (laughs) i i break down um you know every little every little bit of uh information i can to come up with the perfect predicted score um yeah just dumb luck
0: You should just own it the whole way. Just own it. Yeah, you're just on it. Yeah, Um, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. know. (laughs) It was a good game by the Boilermakers. I I thought, you know, Purdue played well. That line for that game, the actual line was 17 and a half, which seemed a little crazy to me. Xavier's too good a program with a good coach. And I know they're missing a couple of players. Uh, But Purdue, you know, sort of controlled that game uh, from the jump, kept them at arm's length and did a lot of the things that you want to see Purdue uh, do. Zach Eady had – sort of a quiet game in some ways i guess and still ended up with 28 points 11 rebounds and four blocks which which is a great line to say the least but it was a it was a good game against a quality opponent by Purdue
2: yeah he got a lot of makeable shots early in the game their offense functioned as it wanted to they got him the looks that uh they want him to have early in games to sort of set the tone and you know he just didn't make them and I think Xavier did a good job pushing him out. And, uh, you know, obviously the uh, hidden productivity in, in Zach Eady is when he draws all those early fouls. And then by the, uh, a certain point in the game, you know, the opponent starts fouling out. Yeah. Purdue didn't get, Purdue didn't, didn't get the bonus really to any meaningful extent in the first half. They didn't get there till like a minute left, but in the second half, you know, they're in the bonus of 11 minutes to go. And that's when, you know, you could have looked at the game as being over because when Purdue gets the bonus that soon and they have Zach Eady and things like that, you know, they're going to live at the line. And when you have a seven, four guy, you can go 10 of 11 at the line. That's, that's uh, an unbelievable luxury. And uh, it's part of the game within the game when you have Zach Eady. and uh, no, I, I thought they played okay. You know, I, 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 yeah. I think people look at Purdue when they have the number two next to their name and they expect, you know perfection they expect 20 point wins every time out but um i think that uh it was one of those games where Purdue just kind of, kind of went out there and played and that, at the end of the day you're like oh wow 83 points and 51% shooting and you know <laughs> you know Zach Eadie has a quiet 28 and 11 and four blocks and he drew 11 11 fouls yeah um you know it's it's a sign uh, that you're a really good team when you can um Win a game like that, make seven to 15 threes and it doesn't necessarily knock anyone's socks off,
0: right? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Purdue's A plus game, but they you know played their B game or whatever, and still, you know, won going away. uh Everybody was productive. I mean, everybody played. You're, you're, you're Matt Painter's still going to have to figure out some rotations because it's hard to play with ten guys. But all ten of the guys that were in the game uh, on Monday night were were very productive, even if they only played. What, ten minutes or so? Um that's that's impressive to be able to do that. I mean, Miles Colvin comes off the bench and hits three three pointers. Uh, you would take that every game for sure. Um, but man, minutes are are going to be hard to come by uh, once we really get into the season here.
2: Yeah, no, it it's uh it's a good problem to have, but a problem nonetheless, as you've heard me say on this podcast ten thousand times the last couple of years, it's you know, it. It would take care of itself if somebody would just help Purdue out and suck, but it hasn't really <laughs> hasn't really happened yet. It, it's hard to play, you know, three power forwards, and that's kind of where Purdue is right now. You know, first is obviously playing both the center and power forward, but he's still playing power forward. So him and Trey Kaufman, Ren, and Mason Gillis are, you know, basically in a three-way timeshare time there, um, essentially. Um, You know, Camden, Heidi, and and Miles Colvin have been sort of uh, alternating in terms of who plays slightly more minutes, um, but they're both coming off the bench too, so it's not like there's a million minutes there either. Yeah, I think it's important that Purdue have you know Zach Eady, Braden Smith, and Fletcher Lawyer out there, not necessarily always together, but at least one of them on the floor at all times. Because when you saw when they went to their bench last year, the offense really puffed plat- last night. The uh, offense really kind of plateaued. Uh, I think yeah. they're still figuring out who, who plays well together. Uh, I think they're still figuring out who they need on the floor at all times. And you know, I'm sure that's something Purdue's looking at pre-Hawaii is uh, how can they how can they kind of uh, get that second unit going offensively? Whether that's staggering your rotation to get Trey Kaufman ran right out there um, as somebody to play through with that second unit when he's not out there, whether that's promoting Miles Colvin to that second team offense just to have somebody out there who can make something happen. I'm not entirely sure how that's gonna how that's gonna work. But last night and I'm sure experience is gonna matter here. I'm sure people are gonna settle into roles and things like that and people are gonna get more comfortable with the combinations they're playing with. But last night that kinda opened the door for Xavier in the second half when Purdue had Edie Smith and Lawyer out of the game. Purdue just really kind of kinda kinda middled offensively.
0: Yeah. And the the first Gillis front court lineup together is interesting because you really don't have a back to the basket score as much as you do, you know, when either uh, Edie or Kaufman-Wren are in the game. So as you mentioned, you know, maybe uh, doing something there to keep one of the two of those guys uh, on the court, extending Kaufman-Wren's minutes or uh, something but that that lineup to me felt a little bit odd in the first half where you just didn't have a you didn't have the kind of inside presence I think that you you probably could have
2: well there are a lot of teams in college basketball <laughs> who don't have a back-to-back back-to-the-basket scorer on their whole team yeah and you know here we are talking about Purdue not having one on its second unit yeah. um, you know Purdue could can play differently when you know those two guys aren't in the game. They can play through Lance Jones, maybe at some point. They can um they can play through Miles Colvin at some point, maybe. Uh, they can try to get out and run a little bit more. I'm sure they'll figure something out here moving forward. Um, but from a personnel perspective, I'm sure they're looking at some things here to uh, you know, maybe tweak their rotations a little bit to make sure they have better combinations or better um better, uh, elements out on the floor, uh, at all times. Um, uh, nitpicking here, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, that's one takeaway from last night. You
0: well, know, I think one takeaway from the first three games of the season, it feels this way, at least watching that Purdue so far this year has been less reliant on playing its offense in the half court through Zach Edie. It seems more willing and, and the personnel matters too. Lance Jones has made a big difference in this, as has the maturation, I think, of Braden Smith. But Purdue seems more willing to, to get up and down the court and more willing to not spend every possession feeling like it needs to go into Zach Eady while well, also not ignoring him, obviously. I think as Matt Painter has said a million times, you'd be crazy to uh, something like this. You'd be crazy not to get the, the big man the ball, but it does feel less. I mean, they feel more diverse, more willing to run. Less reliant on half court sets, getting Zach the ball. Do you feel that way also?
2: Well, I think it's kind of a kind of a misnomer that you know Purdue was never willing to run. I think they wanted to last year. Um, they just didn't force enough turnovers, uh, and maybe they didn't have ideal personnel for it. And they played good teams that try to keep you out of transition. Yeah. Uh, this year, they're being a little bit more disruptive uh, from a uh, defensive perspective. You know, as you mentioned, Lance Jones has really helped them because he he's a big-time open court guy with his speed and burst and things like that, and he's pretty fearless. Braden Smith has been, you know, fully empowered uh, here to do what he wants, when he wants, when he thinks it's the right thing to do. And, um, you know, Camden Heidi and Miles Colvin give you a couple guys who can really run and really finish and really shoot. And uh, I just think they have better personnel for it. I mean, you traded David Jenkins for Lance Jones, and that's, that's a huge transitional gain for Purdue. And you add these two really athletic wings. I mean, this is what, what I've been writing about since the spring is you have this athleticism now that can really make your first read offensively. Hey, how can we outlet the ball? How can we get it ahead as fast as possible? And then if it's not there, then you can fall back into one of the most potent half-court offenses in the country. That, coupled with what Purdue's been able to do in half-court offense, um, just running pick and roll and all of the machinations off of that, uh, between Braden Smith and Zach Eadie, have just made this a much more multifaceted offense than it was last season. And it's not like it was just last year, just have Zach Eadie walk to the rim and just stand there and then just kind of stand around him waiting to throw the ball. And they ran a lot of pick and roll last year, and they did a lot of different things last year. They just, they were bound to Edie uh, at the rim. And now I I don't know if they're as bound to Edie as they were before. That's not to say that he's not, he's not their guy, and he's not the guy who's going to have to carry them if they're going to get to where they want to go. But uh, I just think they have a lot more balance. They have a lot more flexibility. They have a a lot more options. And I still think you haven't seen the best of some of these guys. I I think Heidi and Colvin are going to get better. I think they're not running a whole lot of stuff for lawyer. And I think that's a weapon that is at some point going to really, really show up too. I think he's playing well. He's just not scoring all that much. And I think what people don't – what people tend to overlook sometimes, it's like it doesn't matter how much a guy – a specific guy is scoring. It's a matter of what kind of impact having – five good offensive basketball players on the floor does to the bottom line in terms of scoring. And, yeah. you know, Fletcher Lawyer not scoring or Trey Kaufman-Wren not scoring. Those guys being on the floor helps Purdue get 83 points on 51% shooting. You know, th- there's a bunch of the little things Trey Kaufman-Wren did last night that really helped put points on the board for Purdue. There, there's a lot of scoring that Fletcher Lawyer doesn't do that he has a hand in. Because he's such a good offensive basketball player, you know things like that, like the the offensive rebounding, things like that. That they just have so much going for them offensively. That there's just a lot to this team from an offensive perspective, and that's part of the reason why you know I always thought this team should be a lot better than last year. It, it's not it's not Zach eating a cast of thousands. It's it's a a situation where the gap between your best guy and everybody else is not nearly as gigantic as it was last season. I think Purdue can win um, with other people carrying much more of the load now. Yeah.
0: So it was the tournament uh, at this time a year ago in Portland that Purdue really bounced onto the scene. Uh, It'll be a little bit different scenario. Purdue is on the scene this year headed to uh, Hawaii uh, next week for what should be three very good games against very – good competition uh what do you expect to see when when the competition gets really good here next week
2: um well i expect purdue to be really good against really good teams now when you're really good but you're playing really good teams that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna win every game and you know i i think purdue partisans are probably conditioned this time of year to expect purdue to win every single game and i don't know if that's necessarily um you know What's going to happen this year? They might. I, there's no reason to think that they won't, but I don't think it's a layup this year. Nor was it a layup the last two years. But what you have to understand that the last two years is that Purdue was the underdog the last two years. This is really Purdue's first opportunity to, you know, go into games like this as as a favorite, as a as the team a little bit more the pressure's on than the opposite. Yeah. When you're you're talking about being in that situation against Gonzaga you're pretty damn good. You know, uh, when you're talking about being in that situation where you might play Kansas in what would be a pick em game, probably between number one and number two, that means you're pretty good. Now, it it it's, it's the time of year now where, it, you know, Purdue gets a good opportunity to really uh, establish the standard it has to hold itself to yeah. here uh, to really, really carry itself like the team that it is and not just the team that everybody thinks it might be. Um and play the role of favorite well, well that's something that Purdue it hasn't happened till January the last couple of years and it's always wreckers but there <laughs> it, there's always been that game um that kind of punches them in the face in January and yeah. um you know it, it it's now is the time for Purdue to understand that they're the they're the Duke this year they're the team that everybody wants to beat and doing that in a field like what they'll see out in, in Honolulu is just a testament to what they are as a basketball team that they're they're the hunted in a team full of uh, right. in a field in a field full of apex predators you know it's 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 yeah. uh it's, um, it's really
0: going to be a new role for this team should be a great trip thanks Brian yep no problem Let's take a break. We'll come back with Tom, talk a little bit of football. We'll do that next. This is Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Easton Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union. Your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, Tom, the Boilermakers come off a big victory against Minnesota. Maybe not shocking that Purdue won the game against the Gophers, but man, uh, surprising, I think, in the fashion which they did. Purdue just really dominant in a lot of areas. And now with an opportunity going to Northwestern to get on a little bit of a run here at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, 49 points. I mean, season highs across the board for that offense, sadly. Had to be uh, you know, a pleasant sight for everybody in that building, Kyle. You know, uh, seven touchdowns, 600 yards of offense, over 300 yards rushing. Sort of on and on. It went no turnovers, right? So, uh, yeah, they checked a lot of boxes. And you kind of wonder where this has been all season. That was, a, that was a decent Minnesota defense. So they did it against a fairly quality foe that was fighting for bowl eligibility. Now the trick for Purdue is to continue that here down the stretch, Kyle, and it's not going to be easy in Evanston. I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, David Braun, the interim head coach, I mean, he's probably earned that job, and uh, he may be the Big Ten coach of the year. Honestly, I mean, everybody gave that program up for dead, and he's got them at five and five, just one win from from going to a bowl, which has been incredible.
0: Yeah, I had Northwestern at about one and eleven, like <laughs> maybe maybe give or yeah, take a, a victory. Lot it's been uh, it's yeah. been a pretty pretty good effort to get that team to 500 okay here's my question tom like you you said it minnesota's defense was not bad why 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 was Purdue able to do suddenly what it was able to do offensively like what that was i mean it's like everyone all of a sudden played better like everyone one through 11 every guy out there was better than he had been the week before
1: I think that may have been it. You know, I asked Ryan Walters that Monday. I said, where's this been all year? And he goes, well, that's a loaded question. But, um, you know, I mean, Kyle, you had your top three offensive tackles out. Bo, Musa, and Daniel Johnson were all out. You're starting your number four and your number five offensive tackles. And uh, that line got to push all day, right? And, uh, you know, I think a big key, too, has been the improved health of Hudson Card. Ryan Walters has has continued to sort of – Hint at that, you know, he was really banged up here at midseason and really maybe fully back to himself health-wise. And uh, those two running backs are healthy too, right? Mockaby and Tracy. You know, those two guys are, are definitely the fulcrums of this offense. And Garrett Miller too, Kyle. You know, he sort of never – hasn't really been himself all year, but he's getting better and better. He may have had his best game yet. So I think it's sort of a combination of those things that, uh, that led Purdue to have such a prolific output
0: when you get those two running backs running downhill um i mean that just changes everything too you play with the lead um you know which purdue had not done a lot of obviously it got behind you know early against minnesota which was a little disheartening there for the first couple of minutes but then got the lead was able to lean on that running game i mean that just all helps also
1: yeah you're right and it's funny the game started off ominously for purdue with minnesota going right down the field and scoring and you go oh my god here we go and but the defense you know 30 points doesn't look pretty but Again, if you look inside the numbers, especially in the second and the third quarters in particular, they did a really good job of sitting on that go for offense. Force punts on like four out of five drives during that stretch. Uh, I think Minnesota only had 18 yards total in the third quarter. So uh the defense um continues to play at, at a pretty solid level. And you know, you know, Jerry Palm reached out to me a week or so ago and said, hey, Tom, pretty bullhopes aren't, aren't aren't totally dead yet. Even at five and seven, they can still go based on their APR. And of course, if they can't fill all the bowl slots with bowl eligible teams. So there is a glimmer of light there, Kyle. That's called a slim glimmer. I (laughs) asked coach Walters about it yesterday. He said, yeah, they're aware of it. But of course they're focused on Northwestern. So again, they just want to try to finish five and seven. And again, they're about a, a two point dog, I think this weekend. And they got IU at home and, you know, either team may have much on the line, but the bucket, but that could be a good ball game, but again, Kyle, if you're pretty boy, five and seven, anyway, three wins in a row, sure would be a nice way to get out of this. This, this, this is Ryan Walters' debut season.
0: This was the Hudson card that we expected to see uh, from the beginning of the year, right? One who, um, you know, used his feet to make plays. It just felt like to me he was, yeah, he was so much more sure of what he was doing, and some of that probably was uh, confidence in his offensive line. Some of it was probably just he might be feeling a little bit more healthy, but. You know, it seemed like he was more willing to step up into the pocket rather than step out of the back of it, um, and that allowed him to to make some plays, really some really really good plays. Um, you know, to, to use his feet to buy himself a little bit more time.
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that last comment. How he was able to buy himself more time to some terrific scrambles, keep plays alive, get his eyes back downfield, find an open receiver. That 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 you know, he found what. Deion Burks at one time all by himself and Burks had to wait for the ball to get him at the goal line. So yeah, he looked really good in the pocket. Like you said, buying time, stepping up in the pocket, like you know, to Kyle and just flat out running some, some design draws, right? He looks good running the football and that's a nice weapon to have. And we saw several nice runs um, that weren't improvised by Hudson cards. So yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. This is what I think most people expected from, from number one uh, uh, going back to the start of the year and, and I guess better late than never. And again, it was as a multitude, multitude of reasons why we probably haven't seen the full-fledged uh, Hudson card all year.
0: You know, you mentioned the defense earlier. I, I don't really care how much, def- how much a defense gives up points-wise when you're up by three possessions, right? I mean, in those mm-hmm. scenarios, you're going to tend to to maybe give up some, some points. But, you know, the defense is continuing here over the last month to really, you know, play football that would allow Purdue to win games. And you know it's the same characters, right? Nick Scorton was good again. Kydra Jenkins good again. Uh, that front seems to be playing uh, pretty well. And you know, given given Purdue chances here, and uh, if the offense plays like that, Purdue will have chances in the final two weeks.
1: Yeah, Dylan Thieneman too, right? The fourth the fourth time this year, he's the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. So he continues that stellar debut campaign. Number thirty one. Going to be a lot of fun watching him. Not not a lot of real super big plays by the defense, Kyle. I think just one sack, two TFLs, but. You're right. They still did a real good job, sort of sitting on that that go for offense most of the day. And then, offensively, Kyle, while the defense didn't have many big plays, the offense, my goodness, that was a season high for big plays in the run game and the pass game. Sixty-five yard run, over forty-yard pass, on and on it went. Just a lot of big plays for this offense, which is what you always need. And another good sign for for Graham Harrell's, uh, Graham Harrell's unit.
0: Yeah. So Northwestern this week, though, you know, the Wildcats have found ways right and I don't think they're doing anything really exciting especially on the offensive side but the defense has been good enough to keep them in most games
1: yeah Ben but don't break unit a lot like the Mike Hankowitz defenses that of course he was a coordinator for years under Pat Fitzgerald a lot like those units that he had Ben but don't break two real good linebackers Bryce Gallagher uh keep your eye on him and then yeah offensively you know the quarterback had been out he's been back and uh he's an Illinois kid and uh he's sort of a calming force and, and they have a real good receiver and Bryce Kurtz who's an Indiana kid from the Indianapolis area so nothing flashy there never really is about Northwestern it's a good blue collar team that Kyle's coming off a nice win up at Madison and they've had a weird uh a weird trend this year where they have never won two in a row or lost two in a row it's been win loss win loss win loss all year and if, of course if that stays on schedule they're they're due for a loss right but it's been it's been a weird year from that standpoint, but a surprising year for everybody up there in Evanston, like you, Kyle. I was writing this team's old bit in August amid all the hazing allegations, Pat Fitzgerald's dismissal. Here they are at five and five with Purdue and then Illinois. So you got you, got, you kind of got to like Northwestern's chances to maybe punch through a ticket to the postseason, which I never would have imagined the end back in August when I was still cutting grass.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. Thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart, I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.